Well, good weekday evening. Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. And you are tuned in and listening to the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir. And we welcome you to this edition of Parents of Prodigals. If you're a regular listener, we welcome you back. And if you are a new listener, by now you probably already know by reading the description, if you have the Parents of Prodigals podcast is a weekly live call-in podcast program dedicated and committed to prayer, supplication, and petition for the unsaved or backslidden sons and daughters in our lives. Some of us are parents of teens who have either wandered from the faith or have never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And some of us are parents of adults who perhaps are living away from home and are not in the faith. In any event, this podcast is twofold. Prayer and supplication, petition, intercession, and of course, spiritual warfare in prayer for our prodigal sons and daughters who are unsaved, praying for their deliverance from whatever is holding them in bondage and praying for the salvation of their souls. And also prayer and petition and supplication on behalf of those of us who are parents of unsaved young people or guardians that the Lord will give us strength, encouragement, and patience at this difficult time as we await for not just the salvation of our prodigal sons and daughters, but for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I often say that I don't believe we're in the last days. I believe we're in the very last seconds. The next prophetic event on the biblical calendar is the rapture. The snatching up of believers up in the air to meet Christ in the clouds. It'll happen in the twinkling of an eye when no one expects it. And following the rapture, there'll be a period of time known as the Great Tribulation, a seven-year period when God's judgment will be poured forth on the world. And while we eagerly await that moment which could come even before this podcast concludes, at the same time, we want to see our sons and daughters who are not in the faith come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, so they also will be raptured right along with us and not be left behind. We do not want our prodigal sons and daughters to be left behind to face this terrible time. We want them all to get saved. And so that's what this podcast is all about and committed to. Again, I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir. And as always, we welcome you. And we begin our program always with a word of prayer. So please join me at this time for prayer. Father, I thank you. We thank you. Everyone who has tuned in thanks you right now for this brief period of time when we can come together, share, testify, 
ironing, sharpening iron, Lord God, encouraging one another with regards to the salvation of our wayward sons and daughters who are not in the faith. And I pray that everything that is shared here by myself or anyone who may call in will be edifying, strengthening, and encouraging to all the listeners, myself included, Lord God. Let this be definitely a time of ironing, sharpening iron. Let what I have to say be an encouragement to you, O Lord, and to the believers who are listening, Lord God. Put your words in my mouth, Heavenly Father, and I myself need edification and strengthening from those who are listening in. And so, Lord, pour forth your anointing on this podcast, Heavenly Father. Let this be a time of blessing for all. And Lord, most of all, let this be a time of deliverance for our prodigal sons and daughters. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, Father. Bless this time, Lord. Amen. Well, as I've said before, this is a live call-in program. And we will be having a short devotional, which we always tie in to the topic of prodigalism. We always tie in our scripture reading and the sharing of insights to the concerns we have about our prodigal sons and daughters. You know, there are those of us who are parents of unsaved sons and daughters, and they may be in bondage to a variety of things. Some of us have sons and daughters, and we don't know their whereabouts. We don't know what they're doing who they're with, what they're involved in. And so many times, nighttime is the most difficult time when we think about our prodigal sons and daughters and we we are burdened with a desire to see them get saved. But the Word of God says that we can sleep in peace if we keep our minds, our thoughts on the Lord and His promise and His faithfulness. The peace that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's nothing to fear. God is faithful. And if you remain steadfast in prayer, praying without ceasing, with all prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, the Lord will answer our prayers and we will see our prodigal sons and daughters on the road back home to the faith. We need to continue in prayer. But prayer is not just a matter of petitioning. Prayer is also warfare. As we bind the strong man in prayer, confronting the powers of darkness, they don't want to let our prodigal sons and daughters go. They want to see them in a Christless grave. But we will not let that happen. We will intercede for our prodigal sons and daughters, confront the powers of darkness and bind them. And like Abraham did when he rescued Lot, enter the enemy camp with a battalion of angels to pray for our prodigal sons and daughters and rescue them from the bondage of the enemy. We're going to head into our devotional, our evening devotional. And I always want to tie in what I'm sharing in these devotions to the topic of prodigalism. And so tonight's devotional is entitled Thessalonian Prodigal Parenting. 
Thessalonian prodigal parenting. And our text tonight is going to be from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. We're going to be reading from chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. And I will give you a moment to find that text in your Bibles. You know, when we think about how close the coming of our Lord is and the urgency we see for our prodigal sons and daughters to come to Christ, it's very tempting to constantly want to present the gospel to them at every opportunity. And sometimes we'll badger our prodigal sons and daughters about coming to church. Sometimes we'll suggest a Christian movie or a program for them to watch. Or we'll play Christian music repeatedly, if not loudly. At every encounter or conversation with our prodigal sons and daughters, whether it's in person or phone, or by any other means, we'll find some way to slip in the gospel. And this is not necessarily a bad thing. We need to continuously present the word of God and the gospel to our loved ones. But what can happen, and often does, is that our unsaved or backslidden children, whether they're teens at home or adults, can react by either becoming hostile at our repeated attempts to preach to them, or sometimes they simply will shut down. And by this I mean they may break off contact with us or even reduce the amount of contact they have with us, maybe not calling or not visiting or not interacting with us until we get the message to, quote, back off for a while. Well, this evening's devotional, we're going to be taking a look at a very powerful approach that's found in our text regarding the testimony of the Thessalonian believers. And this was a testimony that was so powerful that Paul stated at times he didn't even need to speak about the gospel's power. It spoke for itself in the lives of the Thessalonian believers. It was a testimony that was so powerful and effective that Paul said that it, quote, sounded forth throughout all the provinces of Macedonia and Archaea, as well as the surrounding provinces of the Roman Empire. Now, that word or phrase sounded forth, sounding forth in our text, is the Greek word exetio, exetio. It's an interesting phrase that Paul uses because exetio, sounding forth, describes the sound of a trumpet blast or a clap of thunder during a storm that is so loud that it reverberates. It echoes in many different directions at long distances for a long period of time. And that's what Paul was describing when he was talking about the testimony of the Thessalonian believers, that it was so impactful. It spoke for itself without having a word to be said. And that's what we want regarding our testimony to our prodigal sons and daughters. Even if they don't want to hear what we have to say, do our lives sound forth? Is our testimony exceptional? Is it so loud that it reverberates 
They may not hear the gospel in our words, but do they hear the gospel in the way we live? Something to think about as we get into our study. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy in the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. I'm going to read now from a different version to put a different perspective on it. It's always good to get different perspectives from several versions. So I'll be reading from an alternative version now. We always thank God for all of you, and remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. And they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, this passage speaks about not just three key elements in the testimony of the Thessalonian believers, but three responses in those who were affected by their genuine walk in faith. If we as parents of unsaved or backslidden children have these three key characteristics, we should see 
these three important responses. And these three key elements, these three key characteristics that were seen in the Thessalonian believers are their work of faith or their work produced by faith, their labor of love or their labor produced by their love, and their endurance of hope, that is, their perseverance because of the eternal hope that they had. And what were the three responses that Paul mentions? Well, one, observing, seeing how they were living in Christ. Two, remembering without ceasing how they were living. And three, talking about it, how the the Thessalonians were living was talked about throughout the empire. Now, it's interesting to note that when Paul mentions these three characteristics in the Thessalonian believers, he uses the term remembered without ceasing, these traits. And that word remember is the Greek word menomeneo, menomeneo. The entire phrase that he remembered without ceasing is menomeneo aideleptos, menomeneo aideleptos. And this phrase is in the Greek present tense. It means that Paul's memory of how the Thessalonians lived and the power of their testimony was always in his memory. He couldn't escape it. It stuck out. What stuck out was their commitment to Christ, the intensity of the love that they had, and the perseverance that they had in the difficulties they were facing. Something to think about when it comes to our testimony and the way we're living in front of our prodigal sons and daughters. Do our prodigal sons and daughters remember without ceasing what they're seeing in our lives? So let's get into these three characteristics. The first is their work produced by their faith. Now, what was this work that uh, Paul was referring to? Well, verse 9 answers that question. They turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, notice the order in the Greek. They turned to God from idols and then to serving. The Thessalonians turned to God from idols, not from idols to God. It wasn't that they had become fed up with their idols and then decided to give God a chance. No, they turned to God and found serving Christ and walking with him so satisfying that they dropped their idols. In fact, in the Greek, that word turned is epistrepho, epistrepho. And that word turned, epistrepho, is in the indicative mood in Greek. It means a change that has truly taken place. It is a change that there's no question about. It wasn't fake. It wasn't an act, nor was it forced upon them. The Thessalonian believers were not playing church. So think about that when it comes to us. Again, If our prodigal sons and daughters don't want to listen to the gospel, do our prodigals see the change that has truly taken place in our lives? Do our prodigal sons and daughters, whether they're living at home and seeing us on a daily basis or visiting us, 
estrefefos. Do they truly see a real change in our lives? Do they remember it? And then do they talk about it? The second characteristic in the Thessalonian believers is their labor produced by love. A labor produced by love. You know, the surrounding areas around Thessalonica were aware of the difficulty that the believers were going through. The Thessalonian believers were harassed in public, had their property confiscated. They were arrested, ridiculed. Sometimes they were physically assaulted. But the authenticity of their love for God was known by the way they continued to love the Lord and to love and forgive even their persecutors as well as their continued generosity and kindness to everyone around them. In fact, that word labor in the phrase labor of love is the Greek word kopos. Kopos. It means to cut down, to chop. And that word labor, kopos, as in labor produced by love, describes an intensity, something that's done to the point of fatigue, going the extra mile, going above and beyond. There's little doubt that the Thessalonian believers had the 1 Corinthians 13 love to an incredibly intense level. The intensity and the self-sacrificial extent of their love spoke loudly about how real their change was, how real their epistrophos was. The Thessalonian believers were the real thing, and it showed. Do our prodigal sons and daughters see the intensity of our love in everyday living, no matter who it is and no matter what they've done to us? The third characteristic is the endurance of their hope, the endurance of their hope. This last character trait that the Thessalonian believers had that Paul remembered without ceasing and that the people in the surrounding provinces were impressed with was their perseverance in their suffering. The holding up despite all that they were going through. And what gave them endurance was the hope of a future eternity with the Lord. You know, there was no guarantee that things were going to get better for them. In fact, the persecution would end up getting worse. Thessalonian believers lived under the reign of the Roman emperor Domitian. He was absolutely the worst persecutor as a Roman emperor, worse than Nero, worse than Tiberius. In fact, Domitian was the first Roman emperor to claim divinity. But their complete trust and peace and their inner contentment, despite what was happening to them, was far more effective. The lives that they were living in Christ made a greater impact than a multitude of sermons because it could be seen the Thessalonian believers had faith in action. In fact, the word that's used in the text for endurance is the Greek word hupomene, hupomene. And as I've said many times when I've shared, Greek is a picture language like Hebrew in many of the Eastern languages. Many of the words in Greek are associated with pictures. And the Greek word hupomene 
is the picture of a soldier who, even though he's surrounded by overwhelming odds, keeps on fighting and believes he's still going to be victorious. Hupomene, endurance and perseverance, is also the picture of a flower that's blooming and still thriving, even if the ground is hot and dry and has no moisture and the hot sun is beating down on it. Hupomene, it's staying power. That's what the Thessalonian believers had. And that's what was seen and talked about. Do our unsaved and backslidden sons and daughters observe, see, remember without ceasing, and talk about the joy and peace that they see in us when we're going through difficulty? Or do they see and remember and talk about how they hear us grumbling or complaining or not exhibiting joy and peace in the Lord? You know, the closing thought that can summarize this devotional is when Paul mentions in our text that he presents the gospel to the Thessalonian believers, not just in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. That word power is the Greek word dunamis, dunamis. And while it's true that that word dunamis is where we get the word, well, the word dynamite comes from dunamis. And dynamite does have its root in the Greek word dunamis. That's actually a misrepresentation of the word. The word dunamis does not refer to explosive power. In Greek, the word dunamis is where we get the Greek, the English word dynamite from, but also more than that, dynamic. The Greek word dunamis actually means dynamic, dynamic. It means the ability to carry out a function, its transformation ability, its active and continuing. The people in the provinces saw how the Thessalonians had been dunamis, how they had been changed and transformed. And the Thessalonians, in turn, saw how Paul, the hateful persecutor of believers, how he had been dunamis, transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul has dunamis, and his life affects the Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians have dunamis the transformation power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And in turn, the Greek world and the provinces around them hear about their testimony. Even without actually hearing the gospel, they hear about the Thessalonians and how they lived. You know, 2 Corinthians talks about how believers should be living epistles that should be known and read by everyone. And while our prodigal sons and daughters may not want to listen to what we have to say or listen to Christian music or watch a Christian program or movie, they may not want to hear the gospel, but they can and they should see the gospel. They should see it in our commitment in following Christ, see it in the intensity of our love for the Lord and others as well as them. And they should see our peace and joy and our endurance and difficulty. And like the Thessalonian believers, when they see 
the dunamis, the transforming effect in our lives, our prodigal sons and daughters who are not in the faith will remember it constantly, like Paul, and they'll talk about it and ultimately come to believe it themselves and come into the faith. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this devotion that was shared, Lord God, and how you spoke to me and had me share this with the believers who are listening. And Lord, there are those who are listening live. There are those who may be not listening, but will download and hear this podcast at a later time. But it doesn't matter, Lord God. Your Holy Spirit can work and move powerfully, Lord God. Let what was said here be dunamis, have a transforming effect on those who are listening, Lord God. And as we continue this podcast, Heavenly Father, let what is shared here be remembered and talked about. And let it have dunamis, a transforming effect on all who are listening. Continue to bless this time, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We're at the half hour mark right now, and we are going to take a short break and play two godly songs that I hope will inspire and strengthen. The first one, of course, is El Shaddai. And following this musical interlude, we have a guest who will be joining us. But I will talk more about that when the musical interlude concludes. So please enjoy this musical interlude, and we will return shortly. Through the years you may 
other people couldn't see what Messiah ought to be. And though your words contain the plan, they just could not understand. Your most awesome work was done in the frailty of your son. El Shaddai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of the name. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Kamkana Adonai. I will praise you till I die, El Shaddai. I will praise you till I die. El amor, el 
We are back with the Parents of Prodigals podcast, and as I mentioned earlier before our musical interlude, we are going to have a live interview. A guest will be calling in. This young man's name is Brother Keith Valdez, and he is a member of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. He's a young man of God who is serving the Lord faithfully, but he is going to be chiming in and sharing his testimony with us how he came to the Lord, and we need insights like his because we need to hear at a time like this when many young people could be out in the street and doing other things, this young man has committed his life to Christ and is serving the Lord. And so in a moment or two, we will be connecting our brother Keith onto our live podcast, and here he is. Brother Keith, are you there? Hello? Yes, I'm here. Do you hear me? Yes, I can hear you right now. Brother Keith, God bless. Can you hear me? Hello? Okay, I see he's trying to connect. He is connected. Hello? Brother Keith? Hello? Yes, can you hear me, Brother Keith? Yes, yes, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. There we go. No, that's all right. That's quite all right. This is a, I am not a tech person, so I'm glad you are. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're glad to have you on. God bless you, brother. How have you been? Amen. I've been good. I've been, good, good. I've been very good. I just want to good. thank you before we get started. I want to thank you for inviting me onto your podcast and for trusting me with this. I know this is a platform that God has given you, so I'm thankful and I'm grateful to be invited on here. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, um, in my conversations with you, uh, before I even started uh, this this platform, this podcast, I was always impressed by your commitment in serving the Lord. And you and I have talked many times before 
Uh, I know that the church has a youth activity for young adults that goes on on Friday nights, and and you can mention that a little later on when you're when you're sharing. But on a Friday night, when young people could be in the Galleria or at the movies or hanging out in the street, you're there with the other young adults of the church, listening to the Word of God and sharing. And so, um, I've always wondered, and I've always wanted to learn what is it that leads a young person to serve Christ. So as I began this platform, uh, the first thing I thought of was I would like to have young people from the church come on because myself as a parent of two young people and many of us who are listening in are parents of prodigals and we are still praying and hoping that our children accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself personally. Um, well, first, my name is Keith Valdez, like you said. Um, I'm 19 years old, just turned 19 mm. on Monday. Um, happy birthday. Happy birthday, served... brother Keith. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. But um, yeah, I've been serving the Lord for about almost going to be two years in January. Mm. So a year and some change. Then it's been, been an experience, it's been a journey, but I've been persevering, and I'm here. Amen. Amen. So I'm assuming that you were 17 when you surrendered your life to Christ. Uh, yeah. So I had, it was one of those things for me where the Lord had called me earlier mm -hmm. on. I want to say when I was about 15, 16. Right. But from that point to the moment where I really surrendered, it was just a lot of, a lot of wrestling, you know, a lot of just not wanting to let go of what I thought I had or what I thought was there for me. Uh -huh. So it was a lot of wrestling, a lot of battling, you know, with myself. And then of course, at the time, not being able to discern the enemy's voice. I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was involved in that too. Right. But um, yeah, a lot of wrestling, but he got me. Now I saw in the in the biography that you sent for the promotion of this podcast, um, it mentions that you were you were uh, a Catholic. Were you a practicing Catholic? Uh, no, I was a. I like to call it a seasonal Catholic. Okay. So, I'm, I wasn't in church throughout the year, but if it was Easter, Christmas, wedding, baptism, I was there. Okay. But, um, I grew up in a Hispanic household, so it was a lot of. Catholicism in there, but it's not practicing Catholicism. It's just tradition and routine. Right, right. Now, of course, you know, we never want to uh, make anybody uncomfortable with disclosure. So um, at your discretion, can you tell us a little bit about the things that you were involved with? What sort of things were you doing that... Um, before you got saved that uh, that you were involved with were you a partier were you a clubber were you what were you involved with um to be honest i've always been a guy that's been to myself so i never right. i was never really a guy for the parties or the big hangouts <clears throat> so that kind of stuff never really attracted me right mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that i wrestled with was more internal it was mm -hmm. a lot of uh, stuff with my character right? and just the way I carried myself. Um, 
so yeah, like like most young people, there was a lot of lust that was in there. Right. Um, mm. There was that, and it it would manifest in you know, like the conversations you have, the things you think about, the things that you engage in. Right. So stuff like that. Um, I would like to say I was a very selfish person as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, and that's something that's, that I've been wrestling with. It's I've always been only caring about myself and like very nonchalant. So like right. I, I would, I was able to put on a good front in front of other people, but I would never like really want to go out of my way to help anybody. But I also dealt with a lot of, um, this was closer to my salvation, but I dealt with a lot of depression and I wasn't like out like I wasn't down and out as far as like in my room locked up all the time, but just like the desire to do things was very low, um, like heavy waves of sadness and sorrow for no reason. And then again, the enemy capitalizes on stuff like that and tries to make you fill that void with, again so you have like the lust and a bunch of different relationships but those things really never they really never satisfy the way you would the way you want them to and that's something that i that i'm i thank god that i realized uh early on whether it was engaging in stuff or seeing stuff it was that no matter what you do um it's never going to satisfy the way you want it to you know it'll satisfy for a moment for a time Right. For a day, mm-hmm. two days, a week, maybe for a few months, but at the end of the day, it's always there's always a time period on it. Right, it's always going to run out eventually. Now, let me ask you: um, When did you first hear the gospel? Who presented it to you? Where were you? And what was your response to it? Oh man, um, I think the first time that I remember hearing the gospel was. Um, I want to say my freshman or sophomore year, I'll say, I'll say freshman year of high school. Right. Um, my mom was going to this church. This is back when we lived in Long Island. Uh Um, my mom was going to this church out there and then I, I didn't really care to go, but I went just to company just to give her company. Right. So that was the first time that. I heard the gospel and in a sense kind of responded to it. So, um, yeah, so they had the whole service, the altar call, and I went up for the altar call and they had given me a Bible. They had a couple of people talking to me, but literally as soon as I left the service, I had no care for any of that. Like I forgot what I heard. I put the Bible away. I don't even know where I, where I put it. Mm-hmm. And stuff, re, stuff like that happened a few times actually. Right. But the first time that I really, really, really responded to it, and I was my salvation was secure. I would want to say was the beginning of 2020. Um, me and my mom were getting ready to go out to run some errands, and she called me down. She called me downstairs, and she was showing me a video of um, a prophetic word that had been given to me. Right. So she was just, she just wanted to remind me, you know, like, Keith, I want to remind you of this video of this word that you had gotten. Mm-hmm. So I went downstairs, I was watching the video and in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, like here she goes again with this video. I just want to mm-hmm. go out, come back, whatever. Right. But as I was watching it, 
I was listening to all the stuff that um, the woman of God was saying. Uh-huh. And then one of the key things that she had spoken was, she said, if you give your life to Christ, if you surrender right. your life to Christ and the way, the way she said it, I had heard, I had watched the video many times. Right. Um, but for some reason this time it hit me and it resonated with me. And from there, I didn't tell my mom right away at least, but that whole, the car ride there, the car ride back, I was, that was on my mind, like my life, my life, my life, like everything that, like my everything right. has to be in his hands. That's what he wants from me. So yeah, I didn't tell my mom right away, but from there, that's when I was like, all right, let me, let me start taking it a little bit more serious. So then I would start reading my Bible little by little. Uh-huh. Um, I would pray little by little. And then over time, it just, like I grew in love, like such a deep and great love for the Lord. And I'm thankful for my mom for, again, showing me that video for the hundredth time, but it's a testament of her faith, her faithfulness, her commitment. So yeah, that was my first time hearing it. But then that was, um, that time recently in January of 2020 was when I res- like really responded to it right. and it had a lasting right. impact. Now, you mentioned earlier, just a second ago, actually, uh, your mother's testimony. You mentioned that you thank God, uh, you know, for your mother's walk in the Lord. I'm assuming, like we were sharing in the devotional earlier, um, you know, sometimes, and you mentioned also that, oh, here we go again, showing the video for the hundredth time. You know, like I mentioned in the devotional, many young people, it's very tempting for us as parents, we want to shake our children and say, why don't you accept Christ? Can't you see that the that, that Christ is the answer? And sometimes young young people, we can, you know, you, you don't want to be badgered. You don't want to be harassed. Um, I'm assuming, of course, that you saw your mom living Christ. She was a living epistle, I assume. Her walk with the Lord uh, was something that you observed, like Paul with the Thessalonians. You saw it. It stayed in your mind. And it was something that that you noticed. Um, is that correct? Am I be correct in assuming that? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. I know your mom and dad are both they're both uh, strong believers. Your mom's a woman of God. Your dad's a man of God. And so, um, I thank God for them both in your life. I'm sure you do as well. But to have godly parents, you know, it's uh, you know, we want to see our children get saved. Uh, let me ask you. Um, now, I mentioned earlier that on any given Friday night or Saturday or or in any other night when, you know, young people are out in the street and doing all kinds of things, many of the young people of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church that you and I are members of, uh, you're there. You're there uh, serving and worshiping and getting into the Word of God. Um, what do you see are some of the obstacles that um, are in front of young people that keeps them from turning your life over to Christ? I think a big, well, I think one of the biggest ones, the obvious one is social media and the culture that social media has created in a way. Right. Uh-huh. So with social media, kids are exposed to so many things. You know, they see, I think a big thing is clips. They see clips of, the parties they see clips of what goes on they see the clips of people having fun they see the 
let's say the 10 seconds, the five seconds, the 30 seconds of fun that they have, or like this, the crazy stuff that they do. And it's, it's tempting looking at those 30 seconds, but it's also very deceiving because they're only clips. It's never the full, it's never the full story, the full picture. Right. So you have stuff like you have social media. Um, you also have a bunch of different ideologies that go around and it was once just, you'd have to go searching for them. But now with social media and with all the different platforms that are there, it's like these crazy ideologies are now being presented to you. You don't have mm-hmm. to go out searching for them anymore. They're coming to you, knocking at your door wow. and they're, mm-hmm. they're right there for you. And young people are, you're, we're curious, you know, like you hear stuff and it's like, oh, I've never heard that before. Let me see what it's all about. And you would assume the way people talk about it, that they know what they're talking about, or that they're educated, they've done their studies. So stuff like that is very easy to, to get, easy to get deceived with. Right. And then you have peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to a lot of the, a lot of kids are in public school and in public school, there's no God in public school. There's no prayer in public school or no Bibles in public school, but you see a lot of everything else in mm-hmm. the public school. Right. So it's hard to, as believers, it's hard to have or to find a, a good born again, good born again friends in your school. Right. And if mm-hmm. they're there, they're usually doing the same thing you're doing, trying to stay low key and just trying to get through the day to get out. So it's like, there's no, engagement so it's like you're out there fending for yourself mm-hmm. and then you have the kids that you do connect with whether it be through sports clubs um or just the classes that you're in your classmates like i said kids aren't doing that stuff kids aren't going to church they're doing other stuff and it sounds like they're having fun doing it so right. it's like i want to have fun too this kid is cool and he sounds like he's having a good time so right. let me do what he's doing i want to I want to laugh too. I want to smile like he's smiling. Right. So the peer pressure of that really just, he, it's, it's to keep your eyes away from, from Christ. Right. And right. as unfortunate as it sounds, it's, it's been effective for a lot of kids. You have mm-hmm. a lot of kids that grew up in church or they do, they even still do go to church, but they're not really in church listening, receiving walking working out their salvation right right i had mentioned before in a previous podcast you can be a prodigal in church yeah you know there are a lot of young people who may sing in the choir and be participating in youth activities but have never surrendered their life to christ i'm going to go out on the limb here with you uh keith uh to this day do you ever face any peer pressure from uh any old associations or friends or whomever to go back out into the world? Do you ever face that from your old peers or friends ever contact you and wonder, hey, come with us? Uh, Yeah, actually, I've had um, I had one friend and he used to be my like that used to be my boy. And we used to go back to sixth grade. He was my first friend. Right. And we were like super close all throughout middle school, even throughout high school. When I transferred out, um, right. we still kept in touch. And then once I started like being more out there about my faith and I would start posting about it or sharing about it, he was actually one of the people that would come to me and he told me 
he told me straight up he's like bro like you're brainwashed uh-huh. and then for like for months on end like month after month after month he would me and him would be going i don't want to say going back and forth but he would always be sending me stuff trying to tell me that that i'm wrong or that i'm deceived or like he said that i'm brainwashed right so he was one of the biggest ones that tried to come at me and attack my faith but i think him doing that was clearly a, a tactic of the enemy to try to discourage my faith but i believe that that's something that god used to actually strengthen my faith right instead and then i've obviously i post a lot on social media you know i've been posting videos um just sharing my faith sharing the word and you know a lot of people do engage with it they like it comment they'll share it or they'll message me about it but there's also a lot of people that there's a lot of backlash that comes with it too right i have Mm -hmm. a lot of i don't want to say friends but like you said old associates that Mm -hmm. message me and come at me sideways they start like the bible said they start cursing you and just saying all these really negative negative things and it could it's I don't want to say it's discouraging, but it it affects you sometimes. Like sometimes right. it gets to you and it could leave you like questioning things. But sure. ultimately, I'm thankful that God has established my faith and he surrounded me with a lot of men and women of God who in situations like that can help me, encourage me, pour into me. Right. But yeah, I have a lot of friends that I even try to reach out to now um, just to like just to check up on them. Like mm-hmm. not even with the intention of evangelizing, but just to check up on them. But right. you know, I have friends that don't respond. They'll read my messages and not respond. Right. Or they'll just like they'll block me on social media, like a bunch of stuff like that. Uh-huh. So that's the kind of stuff that I experience now. And I did I came back from college not too long ago. And in college there was a lot of um challenging ideologies too that came. Right. And people just making little slick comments talking behind your back, but mm-hmm. you don't let that stuff get to you. Well, the, our Lord did tell us that we would face this, you know, it's a, uh, it's not to the same extent as the first century, but um, you know, it does happen, you know, uh, losing friends. And Jesus said that many times the, our worst enemies would be those of our own household. If those are our own social circles. So, it's to be expected, and I have no doubt, uh, prophetically and biblically, it is going to get worse. Let me ask you this last question. Um, to those of us who are parents of unsaved sons and daughters, some of, them, of our children are teenagers who maybe have wandered away from the faith, and others are maybe young adults like yourself. To those of us who are parents of unsaved young men and women, we want to see them saved. On the one hand, we... We want to see them saved as soon as possible because the time is short. The days are evil and the rapture could take place even before this podcast is over. At the same time, we can't really shove the gospel down their throats and we don't want to badger them. What would you advise parents of unsaved young people to do with regards to leading their young people to Christ and seeing them saved? What would you advise those of us who are parents to do? Yeah, I think... uh just to make it clear i think every situation i believe every situation is different Mm -hmm. not every um 
not every parent is going, although they have a prodigal child, it might not be the same situation, whether the kid right. walked away, whether the kid is hostile, whether the kid just doesn't want to hear. Like there's a lot of different responses. Like every situation is different. Uh-huh. But I think one of the key things is is understanding. Um, I think it's important for parents to understand their kids, to understand how they think, why they think that way, um, anything that might have happened to cause them to think that way. I think having an understanding of where your child stands in regards to their stance with Christ, I think that's very important. And not just listening to them or but yeah, not just listening to them to respond, but like I said, to to understand where they're coming from, why they are feeling that way, why they think that way. I think that's very important. I think another thing too is um I think don't forget to don't forget to be their parent. I think a lot of times people or parents could get caught up in trying to be like an extension of the pastor at home or uh-huh. an extension of a preacher at home. And wow. there is place for that. Any, I believe a good parent should be sharing the word of God with their children. But I think it's important too to, like I said, remember to be their parents, still love on them like a parent would, you know, care for them like a parent would, talk to them like a parent would. I think that is super important because people that are outside of outside of the kingdom when they when people talk about god or people talk about jesus they think of it as you know like religion it's like religious or it's just like some like spiritual practice mm-hmm. i think like they don't understand how deep it could be with us so i think when you take your walk and you apply it right like you said like we're living epistles and the things that you do to do it, like just do it out of out of love. Like Paul said, let everything you do be done in love. So I think when love is your motive in really your relationship with your children, I think it changes it changes it because I've seen a lot of um, parents of prodigal of parents of prodigal kids and their relationship with their kid is very very hostile. It's very negative. It's very bad. And it's not a healthy relationship. But then I've also seen, on the other hand, parents who have prodigal kids, but their relationship is very good. They have very healthy relationships. Right. And I've seen that when the parents do, when the, or when the parents or even when the family talks about the Lord to them, they don't respond in a hostile way. They don't just get up and leave or they don't start cursing at you. They just listen. And mm-hmm. I think like conversation like that and just having a prioritizing a healthy relationship with your child is very, very important. I believe because even with my, even with my mom, when she got saved, we weren't on the same page right away. I mean, at the end of the day, she's my mom. So I do what she says, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do, she would tell me not to do it. Right. And she would tell me what to do. Well, she would, I would do something. She would tell me not to do it. Uh-huh. But then when I would try to explain, I would ask her questions. I would be like, oh, why not? And then I would explain to her how, how I feel when I listen to it or how, um, or how I think about it. Right. And then 
she just took the time to listen, right? She would listen to me, try to get on the same page, and then respond accordingly. But it wouldn't just be like, it wasn't like a robotic conversation. Like, right. I, I say something and she just responds with a scripture. I say something, she responds with a scripture. It was, it's very, like, it was very personal and very intimate. Right. And it was an engaging conversation to the point where I was now able to understand what she's saying or where she's coming from. And it made something that could seem so religious and super spiritual and super high up. It made it practical Mm. and it made it comprehensible and it made it easy for me to grasp, grasp where I was at. Cause it's easy for, this is another one too. I think it's easy for parents to get churchy with their kids, Mm -hmm. you know, spewing out, like we say, Christianese, like the Christian lingo. Right. You say like Holy Ghost fire or the blood of Jesus. Like it makes sense to us because we know what it means, but they don't know what that means. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, there she goes again with the, with the religious talk, with the Christian talk, with the Jesus talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not, they don't, they don't break it down. You know, like we try to give, um, we try to give unsafe people the meat, but they're not ready for that. Right. You give them, you give a baby meat and they'll end up choking and dying. Whereas if Mm -hmm. you give them milk, you break it down and make it easy for them to consume. Now they can take it in. Now, instead of choking and dying, they're taking that same thing in a different form and embracing it. Now it's nourishing them, strengthening them and building them up the way that we want them to and the way that God intends to Mm -hmm. intend for them to. So I think those are very crucial for parents and for any guardians or people in general that are dealing with prodigal children or prodigal friends, family, things of that sort. Right, right. Wow, those are some deep and beneficial insights. I'm, I, I know I learned from that, and and I'm sure that um, everyone who's listening who's a parent of a prodigal appreciates your insights and what you had to share. Brother Keith, thank you so much for chiming and calling in and sharing your insights and your testimony. We love you. And we are going to have you back on again soon um, to share more. But again, we thank you for calling in. And I guess uh, what today is, uh, I guess maybe I'll see you tomorrow at the, at the Man Up. We have our group tomorrow at the, on Friday night. So we have prayer actually at Soul Purpose. So uh, I will see you, God willing, tomorrow night at prayer at our church. Okay, brother? Yes, sir. Thank you again for having me on. I appreciate you. Take care. Thank you so much for your call. God bless you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, we are past the one hour mark. However, we do have two prayer requests. We have two very, very important prayer requests to bring before the throne of grace. And that's what we are going to do. Uh, We have people on the line listening. And so I'm going to ask everyone who's listening to join with me in prayer and intercession and supplication and in warfare for these two prayer requests. And they are as follows. There's a brother at the church named Alex who is sharing a burden for his sister, Bernice. And she is involved with an alternative lifestyle. And she is living a life which, of course, is away from the will of God. And 
we are going to bring her before the throne of grace and ask the Lord to touch her heart, to open up her eyes, and to lead her back on the path to salvation. And we also have Edgar, the young man that we pray for every week. He is the adult son of a couple at the church. And Edgar is living an illicit lifestyle before his young child. And the child sees this. But we want to lift him up before the throne of grace too. Nothing is impossible for God. And it's a scary thing to ask the Lord to do what it takes. But when it comes right down to it, God knows what he's doing. And he knows the best way to do it. So we're going to pray for Alex's sister first. And then we're going to pray for Edgar. So please join me in prayer, supplication, petition, and warfare on behalf of these two souls. Father, we quiet our hearts right now, Lord God, as we come before you in Jesus' name. And before anything, we want to ask for your cleansing and your forgiveness, Heavenly Father. If there's anything that would block and hinder our prayers, anything we may have said or done or thought, no matter what it is, we ask for cleansing from sin and forgiveness, that we may come before the throne of grace, cleaning your sight. Your word says that the ones who can ascend to your holy hill and come into your presence are those with clean hands and a pure heart. And so we ask for that, Lord God, for your forgiveness, so that nothing hinders our fellowship or our prayers, Heavenly Father. We want to lift up Bernice, Lord God, this young lady, the sister of our brother Alex, Lord God. And you see, you know all things. You see what she's doing, where she is, who she's involved with, what she's thinking, what she's doing. You see all things, Lord God. You know all things. And you see, Lord God, how she may have wandered from the truth, Heavenly Father. This is not the time for that to happen, Lord. The rapture could take place at any moment. The days are evil and time is short. And so we lift Bernice up in prayer, Heavenly Father. We pray that you touch her mind, Lord God. Work in her mind. Work in her heart. Work in her soul. Soften a heart that may be hardened. Open a mind and eyes that may be close to the truth. Let your word fall on good ground. Lord, let the gospel come to her again, Heavenly Father. It may be from a co-worker or a neighbor. Whatever method you choose, Heavenly Father, let somebody witness to her, Lord God. Even if she's sleeping, let your Holy Spirit speak to her, Lord God, about the need that she has to return back to you, Heavenly Father. Give her no rest, Lord God. No rest and no peace until she surrenders her life to you, Lord God. Your word says, Heavenly Father, there, there is no peace for the wicked, Lord God. And Father, we, we just want to lift her up in prayer that you save her soul. Deliver her from the enemy camp, my God. Deliverance is what she needs. A battalion of angels to enter the enemy camp and free her. We do battle right now against the forces of darkness, Lord God. We rebuke the power of the enemy in Bernice's life, Lord God. And we ask that you stretch forth your hand, heal her mind, heal her soul, convict her of her sin, 
Break her spirit if necessary, Lord God. If it has to be done, give her a Damascus Road experience, Lord God, and bring her to the foot of the cross where she surrenders her life fully to you, confessing her sins and accepting you as her Lord and Savior of her life. Nothing else taking your place, Lord God, but that she surrenders completely to you. We present Bernice to you. Save her, Lord God. Save her soul. Bring her to you, Lord God. We petition this. We bring this supplication before you. We intercede on her behalf, Lord God. We touch and agree with Alex right now and those of us who are listening. We all touch and agree in rebuking the power of the enemy and claiming, claiming Bernice for salvation, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you. We want to lift up Edgar right now, Lord God. Again, you also know where he is and what he's doing, Heavenly Father. We've prayed for this young man before, but your word says to pray without ceasing, Lord God. Remain constant in prayer. And Lord, we remain constant in prayer for Edgar right now, Heavenly Father. That you deliver him from whatever lifestyle that he's involved with, Heavenly Father. Let him see the emptiness of the lifestyle that he's living, Lord God. Heavenly Father, touch his heart. Open up the closed eyes that are close to the truth. Soften the hardened heart. Lord, if he, get, if he gets asked to come to church, touch his heart to come to a service. If somebody wants to speak to him about the gospel, touch his heart so that he's receptive to hearing what's said. Again, like Bernice, Lord God, if necessary, give Edgar a Damascus Road experience. Knock him off his horse, Lord God. Blind him if necessary. Do what needs to be done, Lord God, to save his soul so that he gets raptured and is not here for the tribulation period. Don't let him enter a Christless eternity, Lord God. Give him a distaste for whatever he's involved with, Lord God. Let him see the emptiness of it. And like the Thessalonian believers, Lord God, turn Bernice and Edgar away from the idolatry of illicit lifestyle, turning to you. And once they taste the heavenly gift, Lord God, and see how sweet salvation is, that they will turn from idolatry, the idolatry of an illicit lifestyle, the idolatry of any pleasures that they're involved with. Let your word fall on good ground. Let the power of the Holy Spirit touch them both, Lord God. Convict Edgar of his sin. Bring him to his knees so that he confesses his sin, admits he's a sinner, repents of his sin, and then surrenders his life to you, Lord Jesus. We claim it done, Lord God. We don't know when it's going to happen for both of them. We don't know how it's going to happen. It may happen lightly, it may happen drastically. It may happen right now. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen at a later date. We commit them both to your hands. We trust you with the method and with the timing, Lord God. And I pray for Alex and I pray for Edgar's parents that you give them rest and peace. Drop the assurance that this prayer is answered into their hearts. There's no reason to worry or fret. Lord God, as your word says, Heavenly Father, as I was reading in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord 
my whole being waits, and in his word we put our hope. We wait for the Lord. We wait for you, Lord God. And while we're waiting for their salvation, we will serve you, and we will trust you, and we will praise you because we know this prayer is answered. Bernice, her salvation is right around the corner. She will be on the road. Edgar will be on the road also. We keep watching. We know we'll see them. We trust you with the answer to this prayer, and we thank you right now for the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've gone over by approximately 17 minutes, but that's okay. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, and time is not a factor for the Holy Spirit. And so we want to thank you for joining us for this period of time when we can share God's word, hear testimonies and insights that are encouraging to the hearer, ironing, sharpening iron, and we can approach the throne of grace in prayer, petition, and supplication with thanksgiving for the answer, for the salvation and deliverance of the souls of our loved ones. Heavenly Father, bless everyone who's listening to this podcast and bless those who will be tuning in as they download it, Lord God. The Holy Spirit can touch live and the Holy Spirit can touch later on. Bless the hearers. Bless those who are listening now and who will be listening later on, Lord God. Until next Thursday, we thank you for listening. And as always, Pray without ceasing. Remain constant in prayer. And most of all, keep your eyes on the road. You are prodigal, whether they're a son or a daughter or a sibling. They're going to be on the road. Watch and pray. The answer is coming, and you will see them on the road. God bless, and have a good night.